Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C., a program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all around the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues that matter to you, people of faith. We try to rely on the wisdom of the Word of God for the sake of the culture and the mission of the church, or as we like to say here at the LCRL, we're trying to put our temporal liberties to work for the sake of the eternal liberties of God for all. Merry Christmas to all of you from all of us here at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty because, you know, that's one of the reasons why we're in Washington, D.C. We're trying to protect the, the religious liberty of the church to do what? To proclaim this message because I can tell you right now, even this message is, is being reoriented uh, to, uh, to, to say different things to different people today that have nothing to do with what the real proclamation of Christmas is. And today we want to talk about that. It's Christmas Day for those of you who are listening uh, on the radio. And then for those of you who are going to hear the podcast, you'll hear it Christmas week here on Wednesday. But remember, uh, the Christmas season starts on Christmas Day for the Christian. Up till Christmas Day, it's Advent. It's are you ready for Christmas? It's preparation time. It's even repentance time. You know, it's amazing how this has been reclassified from, you know, that Christmas starts on Black Friday and it ends on Christmas Day. Wrong. If that's the way you think of the Christmas holiday, you're you're missing the message. And one of the things I want to do on a program today is actually tell you again, proclaim what that message is and why why we fight in D.C. just to make sure that you can hear it. Um, and so even if you're not a Christian, I hope that you hear the real uh, message, the true message, the biblical message of what Christmas is all about. Because like I said, it, it's being there's a new narrative even about that right now. I don't know if you've, you know, in some parts of the world today, if you proselytize, if you try to say that Jesus Christ is the only Savior, which is what the Bible says, he is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. And if you say that, uh, in some parts of the world, you can be arrested for proselytizing laws. And I just want you to know, right off the bat, uh, the Christmas message is not a religion. It's not about what you do and what you don't do so you can get right with God or get right with yourself or whatever. It's about what God has done for all people. That's the message of Christmas. Now, you don't have to believe it because it's offered you as a gift, but that is the message of Christmas. That is the gift that was offered on Christmas Day. That's the gift that created St. Nicholas, who was a saint, who actually then gave up his wealth and started to actually give things away to the poor. That's where all this stuff comes from because there's a Savior in the world. And if there's a Savior in the world, then we can live uh, in this world by faith without fear. And I do want to talk about what that means uh, today. So this is ultimately the message, and the whole point of our even being in D.C. is to talk about how God is at work in the world. He works in two different ways, one to preserve the world, and we, we talk about how that's how God works even through Caesar. And we don't think Caesar, you know, like good government can't save us, but bad government can destroy us. So give to Caesar only what Caesar 
uh, deserves to do his job. And then give to God what is God's, which is, you know, give your faith to him because God has done all things for you. So the Christmas message is that God is getting involved in the world to save it. He lives our life, he dies our death, and he gives us his life as a gift. The Christmas babe becomes the Good Friday person hanging on the cross who becomes the Easter morning uh, risen king. And he's your Lord, he's your Savior, and he offers you his life as a gift. That's the message. That's the message. And so let me just start off uh, reading uh, one of my favorite passages from Luke chapter 2. This was read last night if you went to Christmas Eve services, but it's, it's one that I think even non-Christians are familiar with. Ready? And there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, right off the bat, Saviors, King of Kings, what are they doing in mangers? That's a whole nother story. There's, I mean, I want you to get to know this Jesus, so go back to church. I mean, the whole Epiphany season is about who he is, what he came to do. Then Lent, it's about him setting his face toward Calvary, which is the cross. And there's a, that cross was not just a place where criminals die. That's where the Lord was hung on the cross to suffer the judgment for the sins of the world. And then Easter morning, you know, that, that's a message that just boggles your mind until you realize that it's the King of Kings who came to serve you and me. And so right off the bat, this is an amazing thing. And there's, there's terror going on in this text, but you're going to come to find out that uh, being in awe of God leads us to actually, and, and what he's doing leads us to faith, not fear, and trusting in God helps us overcome. And there's a lot of fear in the world today. I don't know, would you agree with me on that? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of fear in the world today. And I would say a lot of it's manufactured to keep us afraid and to keep us dependent on other people rather than on ourselves and on our faith and our God and rather than on our church and our family. Um, But the babe of the manger uh, later on says, uh, in this world you will have trouble. So he's he's not pie in the sky stuff. This is not uh, utopia talk. He said, but you know, in this world, you will have trouble, but fear not. Do not be afraid. I have overcome the world for you. So, you know, we're going to take a note from the terrified shepherds who literally turned overnight into courageous voices of Christmas for all to hear. But I I do want to say to you, I know there are real fears. There are real fears in life. And that's one of the reasons why we're even in Washington, D.C. There's a healthy fear of, of even government getting involved in too many parts of our lives. And we're just trying to you know, keep that stuff at bay. And for those of you out there today you know, who think that, that the coercive power of the government is going to do benevolent things, um, you're mixing church and state. You're the ones mixing church and state, right? Because very clearly, God is at work even through the state, but the state's a coercive power. It's the, it's the kind of, the Bible talks about the state having the power of the sword, so that we're not just a vengeance people, but we actually uh, execute proper justice because some people will not be stopped unless they are coercively stopped. Well, we do that as a people, not as individuals. 
And we do that honoring the laws of God as we create our laws that need to be uh, executed for the sake of justice. But we limit the state's role because we know that, man, once the coercive power of the state you know, goes crazy on us, uh, it's pretty tough to, to actually stand against it, and that becomes tyranny in so many ways. So there are real fears in life. Um, and sadly, instead of, uh, instead of um, beautiful things you know, expanding and exploding in our world today, I'm seeing more and more intolerance in, in people. And, I'm, and not just intolerance in general, but intolerance of actual moral, virtuous, family kind of people. We're intolerant of that. We're tolerant of almost everything else and intolerant of that which is virtuous, that which is beautiful, that which is biblical. We have no problem with vulgarity today. I mean, you cannot watch a television show without having, you know, the coarsest language you've ever heard. Stuff that you just would not have heard just a matter of years ago. Promiscuousness where, you know, people are being, they're being told that having sex on the first date is the, the, the way that, uh, you know, what, what should I say? The way that progressive people do things. Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and then the two will become one flesh, and they were naked and not ashamed. And so intimacy comes after you've committed yourself to saying, I will learn to love you for the rest of my life. I will not be the kind of person who, who puts up terrible pictures of you on the internet to, uh, to uh, embarrass you. I will not be the kind of person who uh, shares our secrets as our struggles out there for all to see as if that's a, 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 an empowering thing for me. I just, I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to find ways to learn to love you for the rest of my life. And our children are literally being lied to when it comes to these things. And we're intolerant of, of, of God's things. And even facts don't matter much today. Um, and, and basically I've, I've just seen reporting here on the Hill that is egregious where I'll say, I, I actually know I was at the meeting and that's not what happened. And I've seen this kind of stuff happen, but they say, well, that was their narrative. Uh, it's all about narratives, not even about facts. And so you'll hear things like that a lot today where people will look you right in the face and they'll lie right to your face because their narrative allows them to do that. Well, what are some of those narratives? Um, that the church is bad. Oh, the church has got all kinds of problems. I'm, the church has problems because there are sinful people in the church. But if you hear the message of the church, my gosh, it's a message that has produced civility, salvation, mercy, kindness. And it, it, read the book, uh, What If Jesus Were Never Born? And it, it's, it's by Dean James Kennedy. Read that book and, and just try to disagree with it because the bless, so many of the blessings that you have is that there was a savior named Jesus and there were people who followed him. And then the, 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 new sta- the new narrative is, the state is good, they'll care for you. They'll do all the things that you need done. That's just not correct. That's usually the big lie that gets it all started. And, and you know, there are politicians who are wise to that, but, you know, we're asking them to give up their power. That's not an easy thing for them to do, even the good ones. But Ronald Reagan said it this way. He said, the state that's big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take away everything uh, you have. And so, and, and then the narrative is that traditional family. Oh, it's terrible. It's bad. Uh, you know, two, two parents and uh, two to three children. Oh, you know how evil that kind of stuff is. What we need is this libertinism where, you know, and, and they've re- 
classified almost marriage as a, a superfluous thing, but one that everyone should have, but it's superfluous. And children, will they'll get used to things. And pregnancy has been actually redefined, if you can imagine this, as a disease, as something that, that is, that, that's a, a sickness where you can go to the doctor and get treated for it. What? Uh, temperance, self-control, that's bad today. Virtue's even bad today. No, what we need is passion, aggressiveness, et cetera, et cetera, even if it's without knowledge. You know, one of the things that in my work here on the Hill is to see the wisdom of the founding fathers and the polity, the the constitutional uh, republic that they put together. Folks, you've got to at least get there. They were geniuses, or at least they were honest about things in a lot of ways because they saved us from two tyrannies. The tyranny of the mob, which was the tyranny of raw democracy, and the reason why that can be a tyranny is because 50 million Frenchmen can be wrong. you remember that phrase um, in the French Revolution? Yeah, they all were thought they were doing the right thing, and it led to guillotines. You know, people losing their heads. You know, that's, again, it just shows they, the founding fathers understood two truths that are foundational. One is that the dignity of man does not come from government. It comes from God. And the second thing was, and human beings are totally depraved. They have rebelled even against the God who created them. So total depravity and dignity were the two founding principles, which is why they limited the government and protected us from the tyranny of the mob and the tyranny of the monarchy. And they said the only way real freedom is going to endure is if we set the self-governing, religiously motivated citizen free to love those that are in their care. That's the experiment. Um, that kind of polity is is actually a polity that allows us to preach the good news of the gospel, which says this is a wonderful thing to live in, but there's an even greater freedom that comes from God alone. But again, that's what's under siege today, too. So on this Christmas Day, um, I'm thankful that we have the religious freedom to, to just proclaim this message of Christmas as as something that invades our world with the offer of grace that only comes from what God has done for us all. And the religious liberty to do that is worth fighting for. So faith in the Lord is what drives out the fears of the world in which we live. And faith, not fear, that's kind of the message for today. And I don't care what's going on in our culture. And there's some good things still, uh, but there are some really really bad things on the horizon. And that's why the message for today, at least from the the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberties perspective, is faith, not fear, and we will protect the right of that faith to be proclaimed uh, without coercion. You know, they say when Martin Luther was overwhelmed by the circumstances of his day, he would start singing Psalm 46. And for those of you who know Martin Luther, he, you know, Reformation Day, the day when he said, here I stand, I can do no other, when the government literally tried to come down on him in a way where he, he almost lost his life, uh, he, he would sing these words, you know, and I, I guess I ask you the question, have you, ever, have you ever looked at Psalm 46? Well, look at some of the words there. Um, maybe some of these words will really help you like they did him. In those words, it said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, now notice it said, God is this. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth gives way, the mountains be moved into the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Then God says, be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That's the message of Christmas. And I know you're sitting there going, what what do you mean? What does Psalm 46 have to do with Christmas? Well, that's the point. The Lord of hosts is with us. You will call his name Emmanuel. The reason Jesus is in the manger and the Bible says he is God with us. And all of that stuff then is loaded on him. And all of our trust in him is, is not just real, but it's assured because of who he is. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm, you know, when I saw this thing that's happening at Disneyland at the end of their Disney parade, okay, you know, we've made Santa Claus into basically that which directs us to the the department store to buy the toys. No, there was a real St. Nicholas. You know the story. It's because he was a person who believed in Jesus. And so he was a rich man who gave up all of his wealth and started to actually help poor people. He would actually put money in their stockings for their dowries and and use his wealth to actually protect people. There was a St. Nicholas. There was a bishop who actually became a leader in the church. And uh, how he morphed into Santa Claus at the North Pole, well, I don't know how that all happened, but it's rooted in something that's true that's rooted in the babe of Bethlehem. Well, in Disneyland now, at the end of their little parade, they talk to your children, and here's what they say, and I'll post this on our website because we've got the recording of this, where they say Jesus was just a man. Jesus was just a man, and and he just showed us what just being nice to people can be, and they go through this whole litany of nice things that we can do for one another as if that's the message of Christmas. Wow. Sorry, no. Christmas is way more than that. Um, You know, in a world where we tell people, stop appropriating culture, if you're going to talk about Jesus and lie that, that directly, just stop it. The Bible says he's Emmanuel, God with us. He will save his people from their sins. He's the Psalm 46, God, man, savior in the world, for the world. There's nothing in this world that can separate us from him. And the Bible says there are times we need to just be still and know that he is God. You know, it's interesting, too. I often tell people I get overwhelmed by some of the stuff that's happening here in D.C., because some of it is, it seems like it's out of control or out of our control, but what all we can do is be a voice in the middle of it all. But um, you know, sometimes you just need to shut some of it off for a time, and you get to need to refocus on what really holds and what's valuable. And I think even at Christmas, that's the time to say, wait a minute, be still and know that he is God. He is at work to preserve the world, to keep all hell from breaking loose. But he's the one who saves the world, and he saves it on his terms, and that's not a D.C. thing. D.C., good politics, it, it can be it's a, it's a helpful thing sometimes you know lesser of two evils sometimes but good politics cannot save us bad politics can destroy us we're here to prevent the bad stuff we're not the ones politicizing all the stuff in this world we're we're trying to take politics out of it even with the the recent respect for marriage act you know what a crazy thing we have father mother child and the holy family and even that's being despised to a certain degree as if it's intolerant but my point is is that all we said is you know the government shouldn't be defining what a healthy relationship is that's not their job and by the way a lot of them on the hill you don't want to use them as your example anyway the government's job is to protect your individual rights before the law, and they limit the rights of a man and woman when they get married because that's the only relationship that can have a new citizen just by being together, and they don't want to raise your children. That's why they limit your rights, make you sign a document called marriage. 
our point has been if they cannot limit their nefarious activity just to a man and woman, they should get out of the whole marriage business. That was our argument. And we're trying to take the politics out of this so we can be faithful to the scripture and faithful to you, no matter where you come from, to tell you about this Jesus who tells us no, who tells us yes, always on God's terms for us. And that's what Christmas is all about. So I think politics always is built on fear. And we can break through some of that stuff with godly wisdom. We can break through a lot of that stuff with trust in the Lord and then put our sanctified wisdom to work to limit Caesar to his role in our life. So when you come back to the message of faith, overcoming fear, that's what's going on in that text, Christmas Eve, in the text, the lessons for Christmas morning, his real presence, his first coming, his life, death, and resurrection. It makes all the difference. Um, If you remove that from Christmas, there is no possibility of goodwill, peace, forgiveness, or salvation. There's just the best efforts of sinners, and that usually devolves into the tyranny of the mob, or that devolves into the tyranny of the monarch. So the first thing that that we learned from this text is there was real terror going on. The angel came, Jesus came, that was good news, but they were afraid. And, and I just, there's a certain healthy fear that we need to recapture in our culture today because we're sinful people too. The shepherds knew they were sinners. Uh, the society of that day constantly reminded them, but sin always brings judgment. Judgment always brings death and death always brings fear. And the angel came, and that's why they were afraid. They thought he was the grim reaper until they realized he came with good news because God has been at work to bring the Savior to fruition, and the Savior is Christ our Lord. And so when you think about this, if you're a shepherd, if you're a sinner, you ought to be afraid. But don't stop there, the Bible says. Because godly fear, fear of God, never incapacitates us. It just turns us back to him. Godly fear causes us to rely not on ourselves, but to look to God for our very lives. And so you might say that even that first night, fear of God actually caused them to listen to God, and then they were overjoyed by what God had to say. Because his presence ultimately calls us to faith in him, and that's the whole point of Christmas. That's what it's all about. You know, the whole point of Christmas is that God is concerned about your life. He's the answer. He's not aloof. We worship him because he makes real life possible, and that's more than just good news for the night. The final thought, after seeing the manger, they returned. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. And so in faith, if you come to the manger in faith, you can leave in this joyful life that he has. You can go back to your houses, your families, your friends, because your Savior has come. He's alive, and because of that, so are, are you. There's a cartoon I read one time, or I saw one time, that there's a picture of a little girl standing next to a man who appears to be Jesus, and she says, it's not fair that my birthday's on Christmas Day. Everyone's so busy celebrating, buying presents, going to parties, that they forget it's my birthday, too. And the man next to her says, I know what you mean. (laughs) Well, you'll get the point of that cartoon but it it better not just be well i guess i need to be more spiritual this christmas or it better not just be don't you just hate the commercialization of christmas or i'll try to be a better person in this season of goodwill no the point of the cartoon is the season of christmas is absurd without the celebration of the birth of a savior so king's going to a manger 
That's crazy if it's not the king of kings in the manger. Shepherds running to a stable, claiming a message from angels, running through the streets, proclaiming good news. That's nuts without the Lord of Lords. And Herod, you remember this story. This He's the politician. He slaughtered the infants because he heard there was a king of kings. And he thought, well, if I don't, if there's a king of kings, I better kill him before he comes after my throne. Well, he's nuts anyway, but the threat was real because Christ was born. What a privilege to know that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge and faith in him casts out fear. Merry Christmas and a happy new year to you all. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contained there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Or check out our weekly Word from the Center opinion piece every Friday at facebook.com forward slash LCRL freedom. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Sells. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 